0: Well, my memory isn't what it used to be. I wonder if the same could be said for you. Maybe we can call it the pandemic fog, or, or the fact, scientifically, that we're rewiring our brains to engage much better with technology. But the truth of the matter is, we don't ponder, we don't wonder as much anymore, right? We, we've trained our minds to quickly flash between tabs on windows on screens between videos, pictures, and and scenes. We used to debate. We'd sit around and debate the facts about sports or news dates or ages of actors, and now we just ask our phones. <laughs> Have you been in those conversations? Well, I'll just ask my phone. We don't ponder. We don't wonder much anymore. Now, some of you do. What do we do? We Google it. We we don't make room for wonder. Am I just speaking for myself? We're, we're easily pleased. We're quick to forget. And as we hunt for something to calm our nerves and, and bring us peace, we give up too quickly. I was asking a new friend uh, what he makes of the claims of Jesus. We were at a Seahawks party the other day and And he seemed to acknowledge the claims, but then kind of brushed them off as, well, you know, irrelevant. Maybe that's your plan, too. Maybe you're here, though, because you want to remember and put the pieces of the story together and and see how they fit. Now, I encourage you to wonder with me. To ponder the the scandal it would cause. the, The wonder with the shepherds out in the fields of Bethlehem. Ponder with Mary the things the shepherds said to them. So so I invite you to wonder with me today. So calm your heart, open your Bible to Luke chapter 2, and read with me. I'm going to read the first two very familiar verses, but I want to explain a few things, and then we'll press on through our text, okay? Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, turns out this would be better translated and would fit with history before the one when Quirinius was governor of Syria. But wonder with me about the name dropping of Caesar Augustus. Why mention him? Do you know what was said about him in every Roman city? I'll tell you, because I want to set up What will be said about Jesus right under the noses of the Romans? Okay, he was responsible for ushering in Rome's golden age, an era known as the Pax Romana, right? The Peace of Rome or the Pax Augusta, right? The Peace of Augustus, which lasted for roughly 250 years. Peace on earth, they would declare. And he is hailed as Lord And since he had declared his adoptive father, Julius Caesar, a divine being, he was called the Son of God. Do you remember any of these? Peace on earth, Lord, Son of God, right? In the British Museum sits an engraved marble slab called the Calendar Inscription of Priene. It speaks of the birthday of Caesar Augustus as the beginning of the, this word you might be familiar with, Evangelion. Evangel, right? Announcing his kingdom with a Roman decree to start a new calendar system based on the year of Augustus Caesar's birth. Okay, interesting. So he's described as God and Savior, and whose life marks the good tidings, or the Evangelion, or good news, or another way, the gospel of peace. I I think the propaganda about Caesar Augustus proves a great backdrop for us to wonder about the claims of Jesus. He didn't just drop into nowhere. He dropped into the Roman Empire in a Jewish city. So let me start over with that background, Luke 2, (laughs) 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration before the one when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, right? That's the King David, the famous King David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, this is likely a two-story home with the loft for sleeping and the animals below on the first floor. Okay, I'm sorry. There's lots of other thoughts in our minds, but this is likely what the situation is. You know, we've looked at Mary's song in the previous chapter about God looking on those in the humble estate. And so here's Jesus lying in a feeding trough. And look who hears the message in the fields. It's humble shepherds, right? Humble shepherds. So in the same region, there were shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord. Pause here. An angel. An angel is a title given to a spiritual being, that is in God's presence, right? That God sends as a messenger. So it's a it's a role. He's a spiritual being, uh, but it's a role. He becomes an angel when he angels, when he sends the message, when he brings the message, right? So it's a, it's a role, not necessarily a title or a, a type of spiritual being. But an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Kind of makes sense, right? And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. That's good tidings, or that word, the gospel. That's Evangelion. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in In a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So did you catch who showed up with the angel? It's a curious phrase. The heavenly host showed up. The heavenly host is the army of God. Spiritual beings, again. They appear alongside the angel, the, the messenger. So we've got messenger and just warriors, spiritual beings dressed for battle. So wonder at this. <laughs> this infant is humble and vulnerable, but guarded by heavenly warriors. You catching that? Bethlehem is on lockdown, like the Secret Service ahead of a presidential visit. (laughs) They've got this place settled, right? No insurgency happening today. The dark forces will not have their day. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, right? Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased, And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, the manger is the marker. mentioned three times. The manger, see him in the manger, see him in the manger, right? That's how the shepherds would know who they were looking for I think because God wanted Mary and Joseph, hearing this from a very unexpected source, to have the extra confirmation of what up until now has been their own secret. Who do you think Mary and Joseph talked to about this this uh, unplanned pregnancy, as it were, right? When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. The shepherds told them, and all who heard it wondered Again, there's our word, wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them, right? Wondering, treasuring, pondering. That was Mary's role. Ponder this when you see the manger. Tom Wright says, The birth of this little boy is the beginning of a confrontation between the kingdom of God in all its apparent weakness, insignificance, and vulnerability, the confrontation between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. Now, Augustus has never heard of Jesus of Nazareth, but within a century or so, his successors in Rome had not only heard of him, they were taking steps to obliterate his followers. Within just over three centuries, the emperor himself became a Christian. Tom Wright continues, when you see the manger on a card or in church, don't stop at the crib. See what it's pointing to. It's pointing to the explosive truth that the baby lying there is already being spoken of as the true king of the world. The rest of Luke's story, both in the gospel and later on in Acts, tell how he will come into his kingdom. So the truth is is that kingdoms like Rome, Come and go throughout time, but King Jesus outlasts them all. So Caesar Augustus started a 250 year rule of peace in the Roman style of peace by stepping on the necks of the weakened. But Jesus upholds the humble and raises the weak. Born in a manger and seated on the throne, he outshines all kingdoms and invites you to bow the knee and humble yourself before the humble king, and give him your allegiance. Will you do that? History calls Pharos lighthouse one of the seven wonders of the world. It was an engineering marvel and an early tourist attraction in Egypt. We're talking early. (laughs) Located on a small peninsula near Alexandria, its 45-story, multi-shaped walls were the dominant feature of the city skyline. The observation deck even had a cafe. And it was the world's tallest building, and it served as the crown jewel for the city's tourism and marketing plan. <laughs> that crazy? In fact, its famous likeness was even printed on Roman coins. But the lighthouse was also practical. It housed a large curved mirror in the beacon chamber, and it was used to project a hundred-mile beam of light into the dark Mediterranean night to distressed, searching sailors. This famed structure was built when? Two centuries before Christ, and it lasted for more than a thousand years beyond. The name of the builder was almost lost to history, but he was pretty clever. Sostrates was the tower's creator, chief builder, and architect. He gave 20 years of his life to complete the project. He obviously wanted to leave his mark on his life's work. So he, he came to Ptolemy II, the king of Egypt, for the right to inscribe his name in the marble base of the lighthouse. But Ptolemy was no dummy. He would have nothing to do with S- Sostrate's request. In fact, Ptolemy wanted the lighthouse to bear his own name so that history might remember him instead of the builder for the impressive work. The only thing taller anywhere were were the pyramids. So Ptolemy demanded that Sostrates chisel an inscription to honor himself. The words were scripted and approved, and Ptolemy was to be forever remembered while Sostrates had the honor of inscribing it. Wow, he was ticked. He had done all the work, and yet the king wanted all the credit. So he returned to the job site and devised a plan. He hung up a large curtain to hide his work, and he chiseled into the marble these words, built by Sostrates, son of Dexaphanes of Gnidos, on behalf of all mariners and to their savior gods. (laughs) But then he covered the inscription with some cheap plaster. And in the plaster, he wrote the entire text of Ptolemy's self-serving announcement. But guess what? As the years passed, wind and rain, pounding surf, chipped away at the cheap plaster, revealing the name of its true builder. I said this earlier. Tom Wright wrote, Augustus had never heard of Jesus of Nazareth, but within a century or so, his successors in Rome had not only heard of him, they were taking steps to obliterate his followers. Remember, and within just three centuries, the emperor himself had become a Christian. Listen, the kings of the earth have their time in the light, being cheered on by those who are indebted to serve them in the dark. But Jesus, the Christ, is the one true light of the world. And he offered his light to shine in and through his people. The plaster has worn away. Christ has been declared Lord. He declared this to the weak, the outcast, the marginalized, the peasants. Jesus has declared, you are the light of the world. That should be enough this Christmas to keep us in wonder at his grace and his great love and his authority overall as Christ the Lord. Merry Christmas.